The John of All Trades Podcast is a part of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. You have all made it to the dance. You have all made it, made it, Coming to you from the X-Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast, episode 150. Your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And this is a special episode. We expect nothing less at 150. Episode 50, I had Adam Caton Holland. Episode 100, I turned the tables and I had someone interview me. Episode 150, I'm proud to announce, was our Denver Podcast Network Live launch showcase. That's right. First time ever live podcast. I was a part of it. I was there with six other shows and it was fantastic. Mutiny Information Cafe. Thank you if you were in attendance. Thank you if you are one of the other shows on the network. I adore you. It's a pleasure to be associated with you. And I thought we acquitted ourselves well. What a fun night. What a great Sunday night where we all hung out. We all got to do our show and you just get to showcase great talent all throughout Denver. From Left Hand Right Brain, to The Revisionists, to the Denver Pizza Podcast, Beyond the Trope, my show, Discover Weekly, and Real Nerds. I mean, that is a murderer's row of talent in Denver, and you get to hear them all on this week's show. That's right. Episode 150 is showcasing every single show that is part of the Denver Podcast Network. Now, for my particular segment... I interviewed Brian Flynn. He's the host of The Revisionists, but he also has a day job. He's the pastry chef at Crema, and we highlight his work, what it's like to be the pastry chef. He's getting there at 4.30 in the morning, and the job is very physically taxing. You gotta love Brian, because Brian pimps me a couple of times in this. He sets me up for jokes. He's a comedian, and early in the show, you hear him talk about how he has to write at least five jokes a day. It's funny. I love when my guests are up for the banter, up for the conversation. And this for me was fun because, I mean, I knew Brian from our meetings. I didn't know what he did, but I basically went around to a number of people and said, hey, what's your day job? Would you be interested in talking about it on stage? And I had a handful of people be like, uh, no, not really. And Brian's like, sure. I mean, he already hosts a podcast. So why not? So we talk about his day job and I hadn't talked to someone in the food industry in quite a while. So great insight into what it's like if you're interested in working in food service and particularly for a place that opens early in the morning. And if you want to skip directly to that segment, go to about 46, 47 minutes of this show. That's my segment. But please don't do that. Listen to the other shows that come beforehand because JD and Brian are the main hosts here. They're fantastic. They're so funny. Paul and Megan review a pizza. They go to Famous Pizza and they talk about it live on the show. Famous Pizza is going to be no longer on Broadway here coming up pretty soon. And then Beyond the Trope gets nerdy. They get into what they do and uh, and they start arguing with each other. It's fantastic. Then my show, then Discover Weekly talks about music and Real Nerds talks about movies. So we're all across the, the pop culture, the employment, the life spectrum. That's what the Denver Podcast Network is all about. I'm so proud to bring it to you. So without further ado, here is the Denver Podcast Network live launch showcase. No outro coming this week. So when the show ends, the show ends. You're going to love it. It's going to be great. Check out denverpodcast.net 
for how you get in touch with every single one of these shows. But for now, here we go. Denver Podcast Network Live Launch Showcase. It begins right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the uh, Denver Podcast Network launch party. Thank you all for coming. Thanks for being for being here. Uh, give it up for Mutiny Information Cafe for letting us do that. Or this here for Jim and Corey behind the bean bar, you know, giving us those drinks. All right, that Pablo's coffee. Mm, Who doesn't yeah. like that? Love right. it. I'm JD Lopez. I'm Brian Flynn. All right, and I host uh, Left Hand Right Brain. Yeah. I don't know why I was like, uh, like I didn't remember. All right. I do this all the uh, yeah. time. Yeah. Left hand, right. right brain. Yeah, well, right. See? Brain. Got it. It's a confusing title. A lot of people don't like it. You know. Yeah. Sorry. I did Edward G. Robinson there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Who is that? Uh, you're too young. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, as, uh, I'm really easing into my, uh, my winter bot here. Cause I, this is, this is all my equipment. Uh, this is how I, I usually do it, just like this. I am just pretending I can't do that right now, <laughs> just to save face. No, you're looking fit, bud. Oh, looking oh. fit. All right. Well, uh, you just want to sit down here, yeah. little intro of the people. So the Denver Podcast Network is a, a collection of all uh, local podcasts, you know, the finest podcasts here in the Denver area. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes. Give it up for them. You know, we uh, came together to form a, a, a brand new podcast network that we're very excited about, and... Uh, Want to introduce you guys to. So what we're doing here is going to be a little snapshot of each uh, podcast on the network. All right. And uh, I think we're going to start off with mine. Right. Yeah. Left hand, right brain. You guys are in it right now. You didn't even know. <laughs> That's how it goes. Whoa. Pretty psychedelic. I know. Uh, is that the right word? Psychedelic? No. Okay, thank you. Uh, I think that's uh, Beyond the Trope guy over there. He knows words, all right? And he will use his big vocabulary on you. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so mine's a, you know, a, a conversation where we talk to creatives from all, uh, all over the uh, creative spectrum, creatives creati- creating. And, uh, you know, I got Brian right here, Brian Flynn. Hello. There he is. All right, yeah. Uh, he's a comedian. Right? You do some yep. comedy here around town, you know? Comedy, writing, uh... Maybe talking pod- into the microphone. I was about to say podcasting, but that seems kind of obvious right now. There it is. Yeah, <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, you gotta get up on these microphones, you know, mm-hmm. like you're, uh... Also, I am on the most Dayquil possible right now, so... Whoa, rolling hard today. Mm-hmm. Or are you Sunday sick? night. Sunday night, rolling deep. Yeah. You got that scissorp. Yeah, right, the- right <laughs> in that little orange kitty. <laughs> okay. All right, he's on a different level. All right, already, guys. So uh, you do some comedy around town. You've been doing it for a couple of years, you know. I've seen you yeah. around the scene. You've been doing it. So yeah. I guess my first question, you know, I want to ask you, who do you think you are? <laughs> what gives you the right, you know? That is the thing I ask myself every single morning. Uh, um, I don't know. I, I think I'm okay. I just, I can't stop doing it at this point, so. There you go. That's the thing. It seems to be the thing with creatives is just they don't stop. Mm -hmm. They continue to do it despite people saying, ah, why? It's the thing where you. Ah, why? And I'm like, God, get off my back, dad. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's just me. Uh, You could have been such a good violist or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, or (laughs) whatever our dreams used to be. How'd you know that's what my dad wanted me to do? (laughs) You got a violist face. I. I'm going to take that as a compliment. I, I did not mean, I don't know what it means, but I didn't mean it as an insult. Uh, I won't take it as one then. All right. Uh, left hand, right brain, though, you have had some really amazing people on the show, and it's a really, really great show. I love oh. listening to it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, like, of 
of the shows where it is creative people talking about their own creativity, uh, I will say it is it avoids the very irritating trap a lot of those fall into, and I think you do a very good job of that, and I wanted to tell you that. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah you know, because I asked the hard-hitting questions, you know, like, uh, like uh, let me give you this one. Uh, pie or cake? Mm, huh? That's pie. a good one. Pie? Yeah. No, that's obviously Death wrong. to cake. Uh, what? Um, I take a hard line on this. <laughs> all right, just a, a, a round of applause from the audience to see who, who's into pie or cake. Okay. All right. Well, I you know, this you. is just something I'm asking the hard-hitting questions today, guys. It's, you know, it's been in my life. I've actually been applying for a lot of different jobs mm-hmm. uh, recently. I'm in the, I'm in the market. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the the unemployment market or the <laughs> employment market. Uh, well, I was. I was a. Uh, there's this uh, place I love on Colfax called Humble Pie. Right. Mm, Used to be here yeah. in the bay, and they they <laughs> I've applied like three times, and I feel like they <laughs> won't hire me because they, I like want it too much. Yeah. <laughs> One is one and like checking back in. That's like the sweet spot. Three is you want to get in here for some illicit reason. I just want pie. I was like, we'll work for pie. <laughs> it's, I think I'm actually hurting myself, you know, with that. It's like I'll work an eight-hour shift for one one slice of blueberry. You're you know? like a Victorian orphan in that way. <laughs> I just ride in on a whiff, a whiff of, of pie. <laughs> You're carving like hobo code. Like, into I'll take the... all of them. <laughs> so that is where all my money went. So, uh, but I ended up did I did get a job here in the uh, the weed industry. Mazel tov. Thank you. Thank you, Laheim. Uh, is that the right response to that? Next year in Jerusalem. Next uh, year. <laughs> Those went over my head. I don't, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, just kidding. I, I've been working in a weed shop, and I've been in a haze pretty much uh, mm. since. But, I mean, I, I think one of the hardest things doing something creative, you know, in the, the stage that we are, is you have to have a day job still to support mm. yourself. And then you go out and you do your creative thing at night. Yeah. Right. Hey, but you're a student at the moment. You're doing. Uh... I'm a student, uh, bouncing day job, uh, comedy podcasts, and school, uh, which is insane. I'm a student at Metro State for writing, and yeah, it's kind of killing me a little bit right now. Yeah, right. I like, I love it, but the last couple of weeks have been a nightmare. So it's like creative writing. Yeah. Uh, so you're so just writing jokes the whole useless. time? You're just zinging, zinging the professor the whole time? Just a bunch Basic, of one-liners? Like the first few weeks, I just had my notebook sitting out in class being like, okay, these 18-year-olds <laughs> are going to get it. And I was like, oh, I need to actually pay attention, and I don't care enough about any of these people to actually make fun of them. <laughs> so, Solid. Solid choice. Yeah. Rise uh, above. Or above the influence, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My uh, anti-drug is not giving a shit about anything else. Well, I think a lot of uh, – well, for us stand-ups, we gotta, we got to pull uh, from what we're doing. Mm. And I think one of the funniest things I've noticed with uh, applying at the weed job is, like, they do ask you some really stoner questions really? during the interviews. Oh, you my know, God, they, what? They do, like, most of, like, most of the regular stuff, you know, like – uh, how'd you find us? Things like that. But then it does get a little weird at the end because they want to like put themselves, you know, like, oh, we're different. Our industry's different. You know, there are a lot of stoners, like three stoners just staring at you and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> one guy was like, where do you see me in five years? <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> no. no, okay. That one was, that one was oh, that is no, what they did ask me is like, if you could smoke weed with anybody alive or dead, who would that be? Uh, that's a much worse question than the one you made up. <laughs> Yeah, that one was a little hard, but I think I got him with a good one. I was like, 
you guys, obviously. <laughs> and they're like, whoa. <laughs> and then you were like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, we did that for another five minutes. And they were like, so anyway, that's why I think I'd be perfect for this job. And I'm like, dude, you're interviewing me. <laughs> like, come on. Oh, man. It's like, what oh. if we were in the Matrix right now, right? <laughs> what, if, what if red was green? I'm like, I don't know, smoke some weed, am I right? And they're like, yeah, nice. That's much, much better tactic than mine, which is like, I don't, I don't, I don't like weed. Yeah, then you shouldn't, yeah, you shouldn't I, tell them that right yeah, away. Yeah, that did not work. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when I applied for a lift when I was super drunk. <laughs> You're like, I could do better than this guy. <laughs> you just got lift home. Ah, and like, come Fuck on. This. I could do this. Uh, do you okay. know how many comics work for Lyft, though, in this town? Oh, it's, like, it's Lyft and Weed. Lyft and, and Uber, weed. a little bit. And maybe Postmates. Though it's weird how the, the Denver economy is being built to just employ comics, basically, at this point. <laughs> it does seem that way, yeah. If That's... you do order a Lyft or Postmates, like, 8 out of 10, it's going to be a comedian coming to your door. Yeah. Or coming, pulling up. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I feel like, I can't, I can't tell if that, like, preceded or followed the boom in the Denver comedy scene. It had to have followed, right? Because you get the, the influx of people, and then yeah, then they all need jobs. Although I feel like we had a lot of comedians moving here after weed, just like in a, in a trickle. Oh, okay, yeah, for the weed industry. So I don't know, particular. they're kind of like married together. Oh, man. And then just, I've been training at this place, I, I can't say the name, just because there's okay. uh, I signed a lot of paperwork. I'm not sure what's on let's, all of uh, it. Let's but, call uh, it um, uh, Toki Carmichael's. All right, Toki Carmichael's, uh, and uh, few people get that. Again, went over my head. Is this another? <laughs> okay, sorry. Assalamualaikum. Dayquil. Dayquil. Uh, <laughs> blame it on the Dayquil. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Uh, that's good. I think that's a that's a good uh, for every one of your jokes. You know, when you're on stage, if it doesn't go well. Oh, I know that. Ooh, that's that gonna be, be the my new thing. like. I'm I'm high. I'm that's, super high right now. That's my new getter dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dayquil. Dayquil, y'all. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, back to being creative. How does a day quill help or hinder your comedy or your re- writing? <laughs> well, I was not kidding when I say I don't like weed. I've never really even smoked. I don't really drink all that much. Uh, when I do, I notice. What are your vices then? Ice cream? Uh, actually, yes. <laughs> um, ice cream, hummus, uh, if hummus counts as a vice. Uh, what brand? <laughs> Oh, I I like falafel king. Oh, I that's don't not care that's not a Stafford. basic hummus right there. That's like next level hummus. Yeah, or I make my own. All also. right, we're transitioning to hummus. Yeah. hummus talk now. This is my second podcast. Just yeah, to let hummus you guys talk. Know. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the hummus zone. No, I think I just want to wrap it up with being creative. I think I got mm-hmm. a lot of people coming into the weed store and they're like, "Oh, this one helps me ride, or this one yeah. gives me like more of a heady high." And anything I've ever done with the with the cannabis just puts me down. I can't. Right. I'm just overwhelmed with anxiety and don't want to do anything. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like I'm doing it wrong. I guess you're doing not the person wrong to be or doing about. writing wrong. <laughs> Probably like, I don't mean both. that insulting. Cause I right, could, like, let's do both. Yeah. Okay. No. Cause, uh, you, I mean, uh, you a morning papers type of guy. You get up and you write in the morning. Uh, I mean, what I do is I have, uh, I have five jokes. I have to write five jokes every day. Uh, just before I go to bed. So timing doesn't matter necessarily for me. Um, I do like doing it in the morning because I feel like I get better results, but sometimes it's just like desperate scrawl before I go to bed. But I don't know. I feel like a lot of people have to like have that routine and I haven't necessarily found one that consistently works for me other than just doing work, you know? So when people say like, doing oh, I need the this. work. Yeah. 
All right, yeah, that's a, I get that from a lot of people. Which is a very like. I'm like, no, give me some kind of wonder drug. All no, right, can, can I can I smoke? Can I work? take these brain can pills? I, can I crush it up? Is that injectable? I don't know, but like whatever whatever works for people or whatever lets people remove their own inhibitions so they think they can work. For it's, you, it's hummus. Yeah, for me, it's hummus. Most I've ruined so many joke books because the pages are just stuck because together with. <laughs> Wow. All right. That is a – that's for another podcast. We're going to have to mm-hmm. – all right. We're going to transition out of mine into Brian. Why don't you uh, tell him what your podcast is yeah. about? Uh, well, I co-host a podcast called The Revisionists, which yeah, – thank, thank you. Revisionists. Uh, which is uh, an alternate history podcast. Uh, so each episode, my co-host, Zach Powers, and I welcome a guest, and we take a topic right, from his – Zach. He's dead. Yeah, he's he is. Couldn't make it. No, he uh, he is all the way in Chicago, so might as well be dead. Yeah, might as well be dead. Um, <laughs> love you, Zach. Anyone who couldn't make we're it We're releasing here, this. We're I don't know dead. what the fuck just so, just so you know. Um, so we welcome a guest. We take a topic from history. One person presents the official version of events, and another person comes up with a Crazy Pants alternate history. And the winner, as decided by a judge and audience vote, uh, goes on to become the truth. So it can and has to impact stories coming after it. So so this fake news thing, how is that affecting your podcast? And all, <laughs> this, all this. I feel like we were the original. Uh, <laughs> the original. And that's really not what you were hanging fake your hat on, huh? No, the, the Spanish-American War news. was the original fake news, actually, <laughs> come to think of it. <laughs> uh, although... Uh, today, uh, Donald Trump did say he invented the word fake, basically, uh, which <laughs> was my favorite thing. Also, I invented that word. That's basically, uh, more, that it's not that off from the actual quote. Uh, <laughs> at this point, I'm like, fine, <laughs> just as long as you're not hurting anyone. So, all right, yeah, <laughs> so let's get off Trump yeah. and get into this podcast. We can go down a whole other, a whole other way. So I wanted to do something special for tonight, um, and I was going to find something from this day in history uh, from Denver, but the newspaper archive I have access to for Denver only goes back to 1989. Uh, and I am not doing a history from when I was already born because that is super depressing. Well, I was going to say, yeah, that's when I was born. So does history not? Yeah. I it mean, starts when I was born. Interesting. Yeah, not... that's, always, that's a little validating <laughs> for me. Something yeah, I've always oh my God, suspected. I, that's very... Nothing going on before I was born. It's so narcissistic now that I think <laughs> about it. Um. Like, the only other things I could find that were even, like, the Broncos weren't great, and there still wasn't a baseball team playing in October. That's the only thing. <laughs> Whoa, how history repeats itself, huh? So, I reached a little further afield for something from this day in history. Uh, October 8th, 1871, 146 years ago today. Uh, it had been a really dry summer throughout the entire Midwest, uh, especially in and around a town called Peshtigo, Wisconsin. Which is, this is Michigan, uh, this other mitten is Wisconsin, and Peshtigo's right in here along Green Bay. I think I got those backwards. Uh, well, whichever. Um, all right, the, the listeners are really missing out. That's why you gotta come to these live ones, all right. Lots of geography on your hands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, I think we're all following now. Yeah. Uh, what was also happening that day, there was a prairie cyclone coming up from the southwest. Just a giant storm. And, exactly. You guys, in it? you guys in it now? Yeah. Right. yeah. Set the scene a little bit. <laughs> uh, and around this time, 
there's construction going on outside Pishtigo on a railroad. And so there's a bunch of spare lumber lying around. And one of the railroad workers sets off a spark. And this is how, uh, this is how a small fire started that over the next couple hours grew to be 50% larger than the entire state of Rhode Island. And as this fire gets started, that cyclone hits and the winds are going over 100 miles an hour and they're constantly changing direction. Holy shit. Yeah. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> yeah. So Peshigo, Wisconsin, um, 20,000 people maybe. The entire town is destroyed in under an hour. Like there are stories of the fire sucking all the oxygen out of the atmosphere. Uh, there's this one story I found uh, where this guy carried his wife away from the fire to safety and then looked down and realized it wasn't his wife. And then went insane. Uh, that's how the story, that's literally the, the one sentence of story I got. Which also, it's like, maybe double check before you leave. <laughs> Sheila, right? Cool. And then, and then flee the fire. Um, Any woman, just c- come. Just come with so, me. <laughs> somewhat, please. I'm so lonely. Um, <laughs> actually, I pulled this from, uh, from the Pashtigo Marinette Eagle at the time. Uh, just this sentence from a news story that I loved. The fire fiend was holding high carnival, having selected the towns of Peshtigo, Marinette, and Metacane as its prey. Which, it's a, it's a shame that newspaper office wasn't burned down either. Um, <laughs> Guy hates carnivals, huh? The Peshtigo, uh, Great Peshtigo Fire, as it's called, uh, killed between 1,200 and 2,500 people. We'll never know the exact number because the Hall of Records was destroyed in a fire. Um, <laughs> funny enough. Um, it is, to this day, the deadliest wildfire in recorded history. And it's not something a lot of people actually know about. Uh, and that they're is, all dead. Well, yeah. That, <laughs> in a that fire. Too. Uh, but also because that same night, just down a little ways in Chicago, uh, October 8th, 1871... In the barn of Mrs. O'Leary, some fucking cow kicks over a lantern and starts the Great Chicago Fire. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, which only killed like 300 people. So, like, pretty good. Chicago <laughs> Fire, maybe. Um, that's not how we so judge we're raiding these fires right now, okay. Uh, so, these are actually just two of five huge fires that start in Wisconsin, Illinois, and Michigan that same night. And also, a, a Chicago journalist later admitted to making up the story about Mrs. O'Leary's cow. Um, oh, so that's totally fake. Yeah, uh, the cow, uh, the cow was actually, was heard to say, uh, fake moose. Okay, um. The. <laughs> Dayquil. Okay. <laughs> um, but, so, these were all basically small, disconnected fires, but that same storm hit. And whip them all into five major fires. Plus, it was dry as hell. And at this point in American history, like, everything is made of wood and grain alcohol, basically. <laughs> but there are some people who, even to this day, are like, these all have to be connected. And the prevailing theory among those people <laughs> is that a comet that was passing overhead broke up. And the meteors from that comet landed and sparked the fire. It was a uh, Comet Bela. And most <laughs> Bila. Bila. Uh I think that's how you pronounce it. Um most astronomers and meteorologists say this theory is uh bullshit. 
um, because meteors aren't hot enough when they hit the ground to start that sort of fire. I personally like the theory that it was was Mrs. O'Leary's cow. We just didn't look. We cleared her a little too early, you know? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, some sort of cow rampage. Just, you just really want to blame the cow. Yeah, some sort of cowspiracy. Um, <laughs> Dayquil. Dayquil. That, I stand by that one, actually. Cowspiracy. Um, so that was the fake news. That was, that was the fake. That's, and that's the thing I love on The Revisionist is when the, when the real history is just crazy enough that making up an alternate is almost like pointless in a way. But that is the story of the Great Peshtigo Fire of 1871. Wow. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. But uh, are we ready to bring up the first show? Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. So I guess uh, now we're going to be bringing up uh, all the other Denver podcasters uh, up here. And the first one is going to be uh, Megan and Paul. They do the Denver Pizza Podcast. All right, guys. You want to get you guys up here? And we'll let them take the reins on this. All right. Take a slice. We ask for small slices. Really nailed that distribution. <laughs> so that'll just pass that along. Hopefully it gets... I opened it and I thought, what if there's something like a human eyeball in there? I, <laughs> yeah, we I didn't I have no check. idea what's in there. Okay. <laughs> From Salami on South Broadway... To sauerkraut, also on South Broadway. This is the Denver Pizza Podcast, the only show hungry enough to review every pie in Mile High. My name is Paul. And I'm Megan. Hello, everyone. We're so happy you're here. This is great. How exciting is this? Yeah. Live pizza. Real live pizza. So if you're hearing my voice, you could be eating real live pizza right now. So we are the Denver Pizza Podcast. Uh, I also do another show on the network called Changing Denver. Not going to be doing a uh, performance or anything tonight, but you know it's available on Apple Podcasts, like the rest of these shows. Recommend you check it out. It takes a lot of time and effort. So yeah, yeah, you may. Have Thank you. Thank read you, everybody. Westward recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, normally we start out the show with a pizza question for our guest, but since we have all of you here, we figured why not take advantage of uh, all your your great pizza minds. Does anyone particular is anyone particularly enthusiastic about pizza that wants to uh have a question directed towards you about pizza? Anyone want to opine? We've got one in the corner here. There's a mic right here for you, Brad. Brad, I've been wanting to ask you this forever actually. Yeah, cool. I'm excited. Love pizza. Uh, this is Brad from uh, the Real Nerds podcast. He'll, you'll hear from him later. Anyway, Brad, pineapple as a topping, abomination or appetizing? Oh, my God. Grown. I'm so glad you asked this. <laughs> Grown? <laughs> Brad? It's extreme. Was it abomination or what? Appetizing. appetizing. Absolutely appetizing. Pizza yeah. can have whatever it wants on it. That's what's great about pizza. Put whatever okay. you want on it. Well, okay. Well, maybe not everything. <laughs> that seems like a stretch, but you've got a you've got a friend in Megan. She loves yeah. pineapple. Yeah. As longtime listeners would attest. All right. So what you all are dining on right now is uh, Megan. You want to introduce the the place? Normally sure. I do. But you go ahead. Uh, well, we're eating famous pizza tonight, uh, aka just a few blocks to our south, uh, the venerable institution, opened mm-hmm. in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Will 
be no longer with us before next year. They're they're leaving town. Their rent went up. Or right? yeah, it's kind of a sad story. I think boo hiss indeed. I'm not sure. Yeah, rent went up. It's too bad that this happens. I think it's an all too common story around the city right now. But it's perfect for us because we get to be topical, which is never happens in the pizza world. <laughs> yeah. Topical with no toppings. That's a cheese pizza. <laughs> so so what do you what do y'all think about the famous pizza? We'll we'll give our opinions in, in a minute, but any any rea- any shouts? We get an applause meter. Applause for famous pizza. Right. Yeah, no. no you no. think excited? I think for Sunday evening, that's like a that's a that's a soulful nod for famous pizza. <laughs> a soulful nod. Well, people respect the tradition, and you know, pizza place might not go in there, whatever replaces it. Yeah. Uh, so Megan and I were talking about this while we were there earlier, right before the show, when we moved here, which was uh, a few years ago, February 2015, a couple years. Um, we walked down South Broadway, and in this two-block stretch that apparently they're now calling the heart of Broadway, which is just a wonderful little poetic name that means nothing, um, <laughs> there were three pizza places in this two-block stretch. There was Pie Hole, Walnut Room, and Famous Pizza, and now the Walnut Room is gone. Famous Pizza's leaving. Pie Hole's last, last pizza stand. Yeah. Do you think that's right, Megan? Uh... We went there. We went there with our friends Mark and Mel. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the sense that, like, they've won out their, like, pizza supreme in Last yeah. Man Standing. Um, Market tested. I, well, I don't want to spoil too much, but I kind of, I enjoyed our experience tonight more than I expected to. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's talk, like, our first category. It's customer experience. Megan, can you describe what it's like to go in there and what it's like inside and how you felt about it? Uh... When you approach, you can see signs in the window painted with famous pizza. Um, if you're walking, painted signs is so nice, yeah, right? That's yeah, warm, nice typography. I think it's like a yellow and a red. Mm-hmm. So good vibes when you're walking in. You can you learn upon your entrance that they sell spaghetti all day for like nine dollars. Where can you get that? Yeah, yeah, and we can we say what we got at this point? We got two slices. Yeah, we, we ordered by the slice, yeah. but I think that that's the other important thing about customer experience. It's clearly a buy the slice place. We we ordered a pie to go, but I don't think that's the way they're making their money. I think they're living on the the drunk crowd late late at night, walking up and down after shows on the high dive. Yeah, that seems about right. So there was about four or five clearly cooked or much earlier today pizzas in the window, and we each had a slice from there. Well, I, the other thing about customer experience is you get mm-hmm. an ample opportunity to doctor your slices with, like, garlic salt and uh, cheese and oregano and pepper flakes, but they didn't have hot sauce. Yeah, it's and nice to have hot sauce. they probably, like, I feel like they, che- they, they cheaped out on us. I feel like people get worried that they're going to, like, have their hot sauce stolen, but for a lot of people, it's an integral part. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a kind of a knock on an otherwise warm experience. Yeah. Yeah. It would feel more welcoming with more condiment options, certainly. Do we want to do numbers? I think so, yeah. Uh, customer experience? I don't know. I mean, we went when the sun was up, so I don't really feel like this is a fair <laughs> rate to rate it. Like, it's a late night spot. Uh, down the middle, right over the plate, seven for me. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, seven. Yeah. Seven's, like, my average for, like, it's pizza. It's pretty good. This pizza was a nice is good, time. But, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Next category. I think you all know what's coming. This is the fan favorite category. Should we all say it in unison? It's crust. <laughs> oh, what a what a wave. <laughs> we all love. Really love the crust. Wow, what a what a vote of support from the audience. <laughs> Yes. Uh, okay, so crust. Um, this is going to be the most controversial category. Megan, you said you already liked the pizza, but I've been holding back on this one. What? It's, tell me about the crust. What's the style? What would you think? I think it's like that uh, doughy, fluffy crust that is best hot. And if you Ooh. let it sit for, like, too long, then it gets kind of, like, harder and harder. And it's like you yeah. have to eat it hot. Otherwise, you're just going to be, like... It's like cement, quick sitting cement, I think a little mm. bit. But like light like and flowery <laughs> and chewy when it's hot. Yeah, I didn't get any light or flowery or fluffy or anything good. Uh, I thought this crust was pretty bad, actually. I would say more rubbery and <sighs> tough and unpleasant. <sighs> sorry, everybody. Wow. Also, sorry, Famous Pizza. It's sad wow. you're leaving, but this is what you're making. So. Wow. Hashtag. <laughs> Two facts. Wow, no. <laughs> Throwing bombs here in the heart of Broadway. How dare you? Uh, yeah. Let's, I okay, think let's that's go. too harsh. Let's split our crust category into two. We got around the rim and we've got underneath the toppings. Uh, I will say that underneath the cheese and stuff, it was better. Uh, it was, there's like a nice crisp. There was nothing that offensive there, but around the ring, it was just so hard to get through. It was The Denver hot. fold was essential. Well, this is why they needed hot sauce, because their crust wasn't good enough to not have hot sauce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They had, like, Cholula, and that was hot. I would have just powered through. I mean, I still did, but I would have done it faster, which good, right? Did we finish our crust? I finished mine. I wasn't paying attention to you. I think I finished it, too. Okay. <laughs> Like if you don't finish, I mean, it's hard to give it a good score. It's an important way to remember. Anyway. I think um, it's like, like it's a mix that other places have what their crust is. It's just like generic pizza dough mix. Yeah. It reminded me most of Piehole, which is odd, right down the block. Mm. And if well, I'm putting those up against each other, if I'm making that choice, walking down, drunkenly stumbling after a concert, I'm going to Piehole. No, no, no. I'm going to make a quick pitch here, but it gets a little bit into pizza overall. This, this was like the pizza of our youth, I think. This is like, eat it in the bowling alley. Like, I just finished reading club and my teacher's throwing us a party kind of pizza. So not something you choose intentionally. Not. It's its its own genre that is now imbued with so much emotion and meaning and history. Okay. All right. What is this meaningful, historic pizza crust get you in terms of a number? Oh, gee. I think like a little below average. I'm going to go six. That's so generous. This is a, this is a, this is a three crust for me. Again, sorry, famous pizza. Sorry. Three out of ten. You know, were you born in Denver or did you move here? I bet you moved. Time for category number three. (laughs) (laughs) First generation Denver native. Proud to say it. Uh, okay. So category number three is pizza overall. Uh, here I'll describe what we ordered. We had three slices between us, two plain cheese, one, I forget what, Megan, what'd you get? Uh, pepperoni and sausage. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what'd you think? With, with the crust that was, oh, no, less was, than average. 
it was good. I well, one, I wasn't ordering what I thought I was ordering because I thought I was ordering one of the pies in the front, but they just like threw pepperoni and sausage onto a slice. They of did, t- yeah, and they cooked it on. I watched them do it, and this is a risky move. Long time listeners will know we've got we've developed a set of feelings on this, which is generally if you're throwing this is not a best practice on the pizza, it's less good as a final product. Mm-hmm. But it turned out good, and in particular, I like the sausage. Yeah, well, that's good. Uh, the cheese for me, the bad crust kind of ruined the whole thing. Didn't like it at all. I thought the cheese, and then here we're going to have to get a second applause meter, but I thought the cheese was kind of flavorless. The, the sausage pepperoni kind of carried the day a little bit for me. You think? Okay. Cheese, applause meter on pizza overall? Yeah. yeah. See? People didn't really like the yeah. cheese. Oh, the people are with me. This feels great. <laughs> this never happens. All right, let's finish, finish up with a number and then uh, round out with our final rating. For me, the pizza overall was a five. <sighs> <sighs> okay. Mm-hmm. Um... It was the pizza of my youth. I felt kind of good about it. I felt like this is what the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would have ate. I might have I might have said this about other pizza that I've eaten in Denver, but I felt the strongest about it in Famous Pizza tonight because Famous Pizza looks like at one time it could have been next to a sewer. Um, <laughs> uh, but I say, I okay, overall rating, I felt positive. I'm going eight. Eight. Okay, so uh, normally we round up by saying how much, it would, how much it cost and would you go back given that cost and how much you like the pizza. But with this place, it's kind of irrelevant since it's leaving. So we're um, sending the pizza to heaven or hell, right? Oh, gosh, no. No, we're not okay. going to do that. No. We're going to give our signature sign-off oh, okay, and thank okay. the nice people for Yay. coming. Uh, Super Pizza Friends out. Thanks. Thank you to the Denver Pizza Podcast. Everyone, one more time for them. Now we're about to get real, real nerdy with it. Please give a warm welcome to Beyond the Trope, everyone. <laughs> if you want to watch grass growing, you yeah. have to look. Yeah. You have a computer, dude. If any of you want to motivate me, you should check out my blog and leave me a comment telling me to stop being lazy. You know, I used to be a skinny as Penguin, penguin. <laughs> Hello, everybody. We're Beyond the Trope. I'm Giles. I'm Emily. And I'm Michelle. And I'm starting a stopwatch. Oh, awesome. <laughs> this week, we're going to be talking about some really awesome stuff. We're talking about story media. How Should, uh, should we maybe start with what we do? Well, yeah. Give a spiel everybody, already. Everybody knows that already. We should I'm maybe kidding. start with what we do. We're a podcast for nerds. We talk about awesome uh, storytelling and nerdy things like comics, uh, video games, movies. It really just means that Giles says something and Emma and I go, no. <laughs> that's not real. Actually, that's about 90% of our show. So, I mean, to be fair, I also say a lot of things that neither of you know about because I'm like uber nerd of our nerdery. Is it because you're so short? Probably, yeah. Yeah, thought yeah. so. Mm. Not anyway. as much space for other things. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Okay, <laughs> now you can continue with okay. what we're doing okay. now I can specifically. We're talking about uh, nerdy storytelling media, so we're going to talk about books as a storytelling medium and uh, movies and then video games. Why are you Hopefully it just me? turns into a huge argument. That's that was kind of the goal. Yeah. Okay, opening statements? Opening statements. Uh, video games are awesome, and they're a great way to tell stories, but not I the only way. I think that's a terrible opening statement. <laughs> I mean, when does Giles do almost anything not terrible? <sighs> That's a good point. Well, she when I started this podcast. <laughs> okay, fair. Whoops. Okay, so that was video games. Michelle, do you want to do books? <laughs> Maybe I will. 
Uh, books are the cheapest, most portable way to get away from all of the crappy stuff in your life. Truth. You're not supposed to be agreeing with oh that. Oh my goodness. You're defending <laughs> video games. I'm just so good at this. And so that leaves, uh, movies and TV to me and movies and TV are amazing because they're super accessible and some of our most iconic pop culture moments have come from that medium. Except you have to pay money for them. So are you they have to, truly accessible? You don't have to pay money if you get them from the library. You have to go to the library and get a library card. You have to do that for that free books, gas. too. No, you just take them from your friends. You have your friends that drive to your house. You can also you do that books. with movies. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to win the but free But what if you don't here. like the same movies? Then movies aren't for you, but there are people who don't like to read, so books aren't for them. <sighs> They're doing it wrong. <laughs> I mean... I can't really argue that because I'm also a bibliophile, but I'm going to try and argue that because I'm supposed to. Everybody okay. knows that movies rot your brain. My so mom told me so. Wow, really? Let's dive in a little bit deeper for, for Emmer and talk about uh, movies and video or movies and TV shows, storytelling. What do you like about the storytelling uh, methods used in both movies and TV shows? I mean, a lot of the storytelling methods used in movies and TV shows are similar to the storytelling methods used in books and video games. Right. Like, you go through the same story arcs, you have similar characters, so, I mean, a lot of it comes down to the specific content we're looking at. Um, the thing I, I like about movies, like I said earlier, is that they tend to be more accessible. They're cheaper than video games, they take less time than books, um, but you can get similar stories for most people. Stories I'm talking in, that they stole from the books. Not always, but mostly. Um, but then you have things like Avatar The Last Airbender, which was not stolen from a book, and was amazing. The TV show, not the movie. Correct. The TV show, not the movie that does not exist. <laughs> Shyamalan can suck it. I, I refuse to acknowledge like, that movie Like exists. those Star Wars abominations that happened? Yeah, the fan films. Yeah, the fan films. <laughs> yeah, they also don't exist. Nor does the Aragon movie. Agreed. <laughs> um, but back for accessibility, they're cheaper than video games. They generally take less time to get through than books. Um... They don't always, they don't generally come with the stigma of playing it on easy that video games do. Right. If everyone's okay, if you have to watch a movie with subtitles, that's fine. Um, and you can enjoy movies regardless of where you are or what, uh, disabilities you might have or any, any of that things. Movies can be enjoyed and connect people regardless of those sorts of things. And what about engagement in the story as opposed to the engagement that you'll have while reading a book? It depends on the person. Um, some people get really engaged with the visuals in a movie mm -hmm. and can't necessarily concentrate on the book for very long periods of time. Um, but then there are other people who sit down and watch a movie and fall asleep or zone out and can't focus on the movie because they're used to the world building in the books or things of that nature. So it depends on the people, but I think for the most part, engagement tends to be slightly higher i don't know i'm pulling things out of my butt um <laughs> please don't but that's what i do on this show if i make <laughs> things up counterpoints michelle since you were arguing with her the most <laughs> but since again I that's with just everyone our show all the time that's true uh well let's see here with books instead of just sitting there and watching how someone else thinks things happened you get to use your own imagination and increase your own intelligence while working that brain muscle 
And you get to be more immersed in the plot line and with all of the characters. So you gain more from the experience of reading a book than you do from just watching what someone else thinks is cool. But I mean, you're, you're just reading what someone else thinks is cool. So no, you're reading what they suggest to you possibly happened and you fill in the blanks with your imagination. What if the book doesn't end the way you wanted it to? Do you write a new That's ending? That's when you start writing fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> fan fiction also fills in the, the plot holes for movies and video games. Not that I'm doing that right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's okay. We know you don't really have a life. It's true. Giles? Yes. What, what are your arguments for video games? Or are you just trying to avoid it by He's trying to avoid us it. about it? I don't avoid anything ever. He actually realized that video games just aren't as cool. No, video games are awesome, in large part because you can actually influence the story in a lot of games. If you're getting away from the AAA features like uh, the 10,000th Call of Duty or the next Assassin's Creed, uh, you can sit down and actually get engaged in a story, a, a longer arcing story, and influence the outcome. What's really long with the three thousand three thousands? Oh my god, I can't say. What words. are words, Michelle? I don't know. How about three millionth? Yes, I can say that word. <laughs> three millionth Assassin's Creed. Who cares? Yeah, I don't know. It's just a video game. Yeah, pretty much. Do we? Do people even play them anymore? But there are various types of uh, of storytelling video games. There are actually some games that are specifically about telling a story. Uh, one that I picked up for free through the PlayStation Network was uh, Gone Home. And it's following the story of this girl who comes home from college and has to dig through articles in the house to find out where her sister went. And it's just following this little, rather engaging story about a high school girl struggling with who her, what her identity is in the early 90s. So what percentage of video games are actually storytelling like that? And that, that you have what do you actually over. play? Video games that I play tend to be mostly storytelling uh, type games. Fallout 4 is a good example of lots and lots and lots of Side stories and main stories, um, Dishonored, the Dishonored series, is following a storyline as well. Uh, but it's also action gameplay to, to mix in with that. Most of what I choose, though, is storytelling-based. Except whenever I come over to your and Emily's house and you're playing Fallout, you're just building things. Or well, shooting yeah. things. I swear, all he's ever doing, he's like, I'm building this complex. People are going to fight in it. It's going to be like Gladiator. <laughs> awesome, dude. <laughs> the story is that I have created a wasteland awesome camp and uh -huh. people are going to die at my whim that's so precious <laughs> wow. because they don't do it in real life because i'm not a serial killer that's what he says don't believe anything he says though <laughs> also we escalate very quickly on this show <clears throat> or not quickly enough very quickly so we've got like a minute and a half left <laughs> do we have any conclusions because <laughs> i don't think we do i let me see i i did some research let me see if i if I covered all my points. Because I do research because I'm pathetic like that. Michelle's the only one on the show who actually prepares. No, I... Oh, and, and Emily, our and producer. Emily. Emily prepares, but she's not always on a mic. You don't have to buy any fancy equipment to play a book. What if you don't have working eyes? Do you need to buy new eyes? No, I have to buy my glasses. listen to an audiobook. I have to buy glasses because have, I can't do audiobooks. You have your mom read it to you. Do you still talk to your mom, Giles? Occasionally, but I don't want her to read books to me. I moved out for a reason. <laughs> I love you, Mom, if you're listening. Okay, so our She's conclusions are not. basically different media for different people. Yay. Yeah, yeah I know. I think I still won. You did. I mean, we all are authors of one form or another. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Fan fiction. Wait. Novels. 
Although yeah, technically, my fan fiction is a novel. Stuff that we write. It's 65,000 words now, guys. Awesome. She has a problem called not knowing when to stop writing. <laughs> it's true. I have too many projects, and they're all ridiculously long. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. We're going to bring up the next uh, next show. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Beyond the Trope. All right. So the next uh, podcast on the network, uh, he was uh, given Reader's Choice and Westward for Best Podcast of 2017. All right. He has a great show. Give it up for John Ekstrom, everybody. It's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Hello! Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast segment of the Denver Podcast Launch. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. That's how I open every show. We have more than 150 episodes where I feature people from all across the employment spectrum, talking to them about what they do, how they do it, what makes them successful. We've had everyone from tattoo artists to comedians to entrepreneurs to Wall Street guys. It's all across the spectrum. That's why I call myself John of all trades. And what comes up on this show a lot is that if you are doing a creative endeavor, if you have something that you love that you're passionate about, typically you're doing it as a side hustle and you have a day job. So we're going to bring back one of our other hosts and we're going to talk about his day job. You know him as the host of The Revisionists. He's also a comedian, a writer, and Dayquil enthusiast and hummus enthusiast. Brian Flynn, please join us out here. Brian, thanks for joining us. You are the pastry chef mm -hmm. at Crema. Yes, I am. So um, are we well past your bedtime at this point? <laughs> um, I fortunately am in a sort of semi-managerial position, so I don't have to schedule myself to open <laughs> anymore. Well, okay. As pastry chef, though, typically aren't you getting up like at the butt crack of dawn? Yeah, typically – I'll usually get into work around 4.30 or 4 okay. in the morning. Okay, that uh, sounds horrifying. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Um. And as someone with two small kids, my kids are three mm. and one, I know from 4 a.m., and yeah. I know that no one's functional, and yet you are making food to be consumed by the public. Should we be worried? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm doing that in an environment that is surrounded by coffee, thank God. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's also... When you're going in that early, things become so habitual. Right. And so much muscle memory is involved. You're almost doing it by rote. At exactly. That okay, so take me through what a typical day looks like for you. If, if you are getting there at 4 a.m., take right. me through the tasks. What are you checking off and what are you doing by rote? Uh, so typically when I'm getting there, I'm also the first person in there. Right. Uh, so I'm going through making sure everything looks okay, making sure none of the windows are broken or nothing is stolen. <laughs> uh, Does that happen frequently? Not it's happened three times in the two years I've been there, so not okay. frequently, but enough where I'm like, I should double-check. But it occurs. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, but then uh, we, uh, what we'll do is for our sandwich bread, we make uh, just demi-baguettes. Okay. So we'll let those sit in the refrigerator overnight before we bake them off. So I'll pull those out in the morning to proof. Um, to proof? Yes, uh, to rise, basically. Okay. Um, Sorry, Which, you're getting all insider info on mm -hmm. me in the baking world. Right. Of course, um, sorry, I'll probably throw out a lot of those terms. Some of them, I don't even know what they mean. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, so I'll pull those out. Again, food for the public, Brian. <laughs> yes, right. 
<laughs> it's all it's all here. It's a tell all. Um, so I'll pull those out to proof. Uh-huh. Um, and at the same time, I'll start mixing the next day's baguette dough. Uh, I'll be baking off the pastries, okay. which will make very large batches, and we'll freeze them and pull them as we need them. So cookies, okay. cinnamon rolls, uh, scones. Uh, I'll make sure the croissants that we made the day before are uh, also proofing and getting ready to bake off. Um, okay, uh, a quick digression. I have a question about this. Yes. And I promise this will relate to what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to work for City of Golden. Managing their baseball, not managing their baseball fields. I didn't manage anything. Uh, <laughs> mostly I just drank Gatorade and ate donuts. But, uh. That sounds like a baseball manager. That's, <laughs> that's tough but fair. So, uh, what I did was, uh, we had a chalker and we broke four of them because you don't let 18 year olds with expensive equipment. But mm-hmm. we used to have to pour big bags of chalk and there were warnings. Uh, it was like it was made in California where there were disclaimers and warnings about getting cancer. And, you know, you're a dumb kid, so you're just breathing it all in. Right. Do you ever worry about breathing in all the flour well, that you're oh, pouring? Oh, like we did when we were kids, just huffing chalk dust. <laughs> you're, yeah. You and I had remarkably different childhoods. <laughs> um, Do you ever worry about breathing in all those fumes? I don't necessarily worry about breathing it in. Uh, the thing about flour particles in the air uh, is that they're – they are the largest cause of bakery explosions, uh, really? um, which does not happen often uh, anymore uh, because bakeries – Anymore? Yeah. It, it used to happen a lot more when bakeries weren't properly ventilated. Okay. Um, All right. Uh, which – so thank goodness for windows. But that's like – if I breathe it in, it's just carbs. It's like whatever. Uh, I think that's the first time on my show anyone's ever expressed appreciation for windows. Yep. Let's give it up for Windows, everyone. A big round of applause for Windows. We are, we are hashtag blessed we're, for Windows. <laughs> we're doing hard-hitting journalism here, Brian, <laughs> uh, where we're doing appreciation for Windows. Keep going. Um, so all those things are uh, getting baked off. So that's typically the busiest time of day when I'm running around. I'm getting icings ready, frostings ready for decoration, uh, and making sure the doughs are getting ready because they'll take several hours to do their initial rise. And okay. then you'll do a pre-shape where you punch it down and form it in little sacks, basically. Okay. Um, and then you'll let the rise for another hour or two when it's cold. So it sounds like a lot of hurry up and wait. Basically, yeah. Okay. Uh, it'll be madness and then nothing <laughs> for a while, uh, which is basically uh, Facebook time uh, or something. Or time to maybe make more food if you're not being a piece of shit. Uh, or, or write some jokes, right? Or write some jokes, in theory. Um, part of the uh, part of the struggle with this day job it is is it is so taxing physically. Oh, really? Um, yeah, compared to like just sitting in an office sure. or um, things like that. That I almost like lack the energy when I am in the middle of work. Okay, what hurts you most at the end of a day? <laughs> like, what on you hurts the most? Well, uh, I have arthritis. Uh, Are you serious? Because I'm 29. Yep. Um, and hey, if it makes you feel better, I'm wearing orthotics in my shoes, and I'm not yeah. making that up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, ow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. You set me up for that. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> This is all a <laughs> bang. This is all a trap X from yeah. flips over table. Um, <laughs> and it's over. We'll see you all later. <laughs> um, so that, uh, when I am like rolling out croissants, uh, especially cinnamon rolls, anything that is like a very this motion yeah, yeah, heavy yeah. task, uh, that 
gets really, really painful. My my knees hurt also from arthritis. Um, and is this standing. all as a result of doing like this job for this long? I'm sure it plays a role. I used to be about 300 pounds. Oh shit! Um, all right. So I'm sure that also played a role. Uh, in working it. in a bakery, odd choice for a guy who lost yeah. a lot of weight. Uh, yeah, I mean the losing weight happened before the baking. I I did I worked in a kitchen since I was a teenager. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was honestly not caring enough to cook for myself that probably caused me to gain a lot of weight. Okay, I got you. All right, presumably this is not your passion. I mean, you, you take some pride in your work. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's obvious uh, in terms of the care that you have and the appreciation you have for windows. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> given that, <laughs> uh, let's say uh, things work out perfectly for Brian Flynn, host mm-hmm. of The Revisionists, comedian, aspiring writer. Mm-hmm. How do you see that unfolding for you? Let's say your life has worked out exactly as you want mm-hmm. it to work out. Presumably, you're not baking anymore. What are you doing? Ideally, um, I would be writing for television. Okay. Um, that would be, like, my dream job. Not even – just, like, behind the scenes, staff writer, uh, maybe writing pilots for things and just doing my writing projects. Favorite shows? Ones that inspire you? Uh, I mean, I grew up on The Daily Show. Uh, sure. Late night television. Um, you know, old, old Conan. New Conan also. Conan. <laughs> I guess we can shorten that. <laughs> Team Coco. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that that would be the ultimate goal. I got you. Okay, so um, how do you see uh, the path for that uh, playing out? So, <laughs> right? I mean, put on – look into your crystal ball. But um, mm-hmm. it's important, and not to sound like Tony fucking Robbins or something here, but mm-hmm. um, if you visualize yourself having success, and that's been a theme on this show, and you're willing mm-hmm. to put in the work uh, – Incremental steps, how do you see yourself getting there? My philosophy has been whenever I'm doing work, whenever I'm working on a project, do it as professionally as I can, as hard as I can, even if it's the smallest thing. Right. Because the theory is that the results will follow and just try to take pride in what I do. And I, I, I hit a point long ago where, you know, those those dream careers don't always happen for people and I – have to find my find a way to be happy doing work that I'm proud of. And so that's what I try to do. I think that's a great uh, philosophy and a great approach because when I was on JD's show, uh, he titled the show Digging the Ditch. Mm. And the big theme uh, that I have with my show is and my life is be willing to do the work that someone else isn't willing to do. So if you get in there and you dig the fucking ditch, and, I mean, if there's five people here, Put on the best show that you can because eventually that work will pay off. So, yeah. Oh, and I've done those shows for five people, uh, and they were five lovely people. Um, Did they pay you in hummus? Uh, they paid me almost enough to buy some hummus. <laughs> so Almost enough. We'll put that in a – we'll call that a W. Well, Brian, I'll tell you what. This was a pleasure getting to know you, getting some insight into what it's like to be a baker. Uh, you can check out my show at johnofalltrades.us and continued success to you, my man. You too, man. Thanks, everyone. One more time for John of All Trades, everyone. All right. And now is the time for music lovers and music haters alike to rejoice. Please welcome Discover Weekly, everyone.
Hello. Hello. Greetings. Hello. Hello, weaklings. So, we're Discover Weekly. There's also, there's normally a third member, but he lives in New York now in a place called Goshen. Yeah. So, whatever. We Skype him in because we have technology. Internets. Discover Weekly is a podcast about, uh, musics. We take a Spotify playlist and work a theme and then talk about that theme. A lot of the times we barely talk about the actual music, but it's in there, right? Yeah, kind of. You know, I think sometimes it starts off that way and then we end up being big time, uh, socialist cucks. Yeah. <laughs> Our secret name for the podcast is Marxist Music Nerds. It's not secret. It's It's not secret. That's that's canon. It's canon. I'm Chella. I'm Daniel. And then also, you just imagine Leighton here. That was was his music that you just heard. That was his music that you just heard. So uh, because our podcast is so um, based in Spotify, we kind of struggled with how to bring it to you in this setting. Uh, so we just decided to talk about, um, things, songs, a song that we're into right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm very nervous being in front of all you people. Oh my God. I'm so nervous too. Oh. I'm just like, just like, <sighs> yeah, <sighs> we have day jobs. Fuck you guys. I'm an accountant. <laughs> Count my just podcast put that, money. Just put that back in here. Yeah, yeah. Save that. Count your podcast money. Yeah. Hmm. What do you guys like to listen to? What are your What are your favorite jams right now? I don't care. Yeah, we don't care. Never mind. <laughs> you could tweet at us later or what, and we might respond. Probably not. I would like to talk about my favorite new song. Yeah. Which is by a band called Floating Action. I've never heard this. What is? You've this? never heard that? No. They're kind of quiet. They're kind of like a quiet little indie band. They've been around for a while. Uh, it's mostly just this one dude. Yeah. Yeah, one guy, and he does everything like a like kind of like a Jeff Lynn, um, Jeff Lynn's from uh, Electric Light Orchestra or ELO as it's. That's no what the cool people call it ELO. <laughs> Do the cool people talk about ELO? Yeah, still the cool people like ELO. Yeah, thank <laughs> I mean, I like ELO, but I would yeah. not say yeah, I was only cool. The coolest. Okay. Yeah. Am I cool then? Sure. A cool. <sighs> I'm done. Bye. No, I'm just. <laughs> we should have planned something. I think. Well, we did plan something, but <clears throat> this is it. Moving on. Floating Action yeah. is this great band um, from the Pacific Northwest, and uh, they have a couple of albums out. They're really, really good, but this new record um, is fantastic, and the song in particular that makes me, like, it, like, lights up every uh, cell in my body, and my pupils dilate, and I'm like, this is fucking aw- Can I swear on this? We swear on ours. Uh-oh. Well, this is fucking awesome. It's this song uh, called Last of the Wild Cards. And it is uh, beautiful. I, I mean, the the instrumentation is amazing. And then the lyrics are all about um, just kind of putting it out. Like, you're, you've reached a certain point in your life. And this is... The last, the last of the wild cards. I'm pushing 40, guys. I'm gonna be 40 in December. <laughs> oh my god, it's totally true. <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> yeah. No, it's true. But you get to this point, and I'm a musician, and uh, you're like, the f- what Should happened? I quit? Should I quit? What happened? What happened? Yeah, I tell these guys all the time, Should I quit? I think I'm gonna quit. I think I think this is gonna be our last show. I'm gonna quit. But this song like made me think about that, and also this um, particular musician's journey because he's been working longer like maybe a couple years longer than i have and has achieved more success but is also like kind of done (laughs) like if it doesn't go anywhere so it really struck a chord with me this this little jammer and um it's also very pretty so i would like i i think you guys if you're having an existential crisis which i'm sure you are it's 2017 and the world's shit so you're probably freaking out right now. Listen to this song. It's like a little salve on your, on your wound, on your world wound, your life wound. First of all, we have to also take care of some Wisconsin business. It's Peshtigo. It's Peshtigo, Peshtigo. y'all. It's Peshtigo. You got two Wisconsinites over here that were literally we're like, like we, pulling their got, eyelashes oh, out God. with Peshtigo. I, try, I was trying not to storm Peshtigo. the stage. We were, we were tweeting at each other. Like, it's all we've got. Being from Wisconsin, that is. Um, I'm going to talk about my new favorite thing lately, and that's uh, Cigarettes After Sex. Oh, you love the this band. shit. It's fucking great. <laughs> the band and the act. Yeah. Well, I don't really smoke. You don't smoke. But After Sex. Yeah. Because of all the, like, runoff podcast pussy I'm getting. Yeah, man. Do you guys yeah. know that we get mad laid from this podcast? Oh, seriously. We're, it's like, true. fighting them off. Yeah, my husband is like, Slow this down, is getting buddy. weird. Yeah. <laughs> It's weird that all three of us are there, too, usually. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Anyway. I've gotten used to it. Uh, cigarettes After Sex is super great. It's, um, what is it? It's, I don't know, it's, it's like slowcore. S- yeah, it's slowcore. I don't like to say that. I like to say shoegaze because I don't know what these, yeah. I don't know these genres these kids are talking about now. Slowcore? Yeah, it's like fall asleep in the bathtub. Hopefully not. That's, that's, <laughs> you want to post some Whitney Houston shit? Yeah. How about some Bobby Houston? No? Wait, what was her name? Bobby Christina. Just don't shake your head at me. <laughs> Pesh to go. You know, a lot of people like to drink their syrup c- with uh, trap music, but I like it with slowcore. You like it with slowcore? I mean, I know music to do heroin to, so. It's true. Well, we are children of the 90s. Yeah. So, of course we do. But what do you, I mean, what speaks to you about cigarettes after sex so much? That it's good? That it's good. That's yeah. fascinating, Daniel. Yeah, That's fucking know. astute. That's what people come here for, are like <laughs> super deep uh, takes. Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> yeah, 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 uh-huh, exactly. uh-huh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, guys, we sure know a lot. So <laughs> they don't come here for accuracy. They come here for the comedy, right? Which is ripe. Oh, yeah. Like we're like sure. comedy berries. You could just <laughs> snatch them from the tree. For those of you listening at home, I am... Miming, snatching berries from yeah, a tree. So Comedy many, berries. So many snatches. Low-hanging fruit. <clears throat> I, I th- uh, somebody told me, like, it's really great to listen to when I'm high. Hmm. And I thought... That's awesome oh. because we record all of our podcasts when we're really high. Yeah, kind I'm of. I'm not high right now, and it's fucking with my steez, and I'm sorry. Do you guys have to... We'll get by. How much time is left? I don't know. 85 hours. It seems like our type five is really dissolving. It's never was our type yeah. five. So I, music is an important thing. And like we, it's hard to do, it's hard to do this podcast, um, in this setting 
Cause I can't just have a playlist and be like, and the, the next song is, yeah. ugh, you know, it's hard, but I, I would encourage you guys, if you enjoy listening to music at all, to listen to our podcast and, um, well, we hip you to like new things that we love mm-hmm. and old things that we love. Mm-hmm. And then we riff on other ridiculous shit going on. We don't always agree with each other. Never. Which is great. We usually don't agree <laughs> with each other. We're all three from different worlds in music, mm-hmm. yet we form up like a Voltron. To cover everything, I think. I think. I, I hate fish, but she loves it. Love fish. I hate it. I love the Grateful Dead, and I love fish. And guess what? I'm also like a weird hipster Wu-Tang person. So, you know what? I'm a diamond. I'm a multifaceted diamond. Yeah, yeah, sure. And you're just, you know, you're just a little crab in your I'm shell. Just, I'm just me. <laughs> Cigarettes After Sex, which song is your favorite one? Okay. No, that's the name of it, Kay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, the, I celebrate their whole catalog, though. It's really good. Yeah, they were just in town, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. None of us went to I, uh, I was going to go, and my ex-girlfriend was like, I'm going to go to Cigarettes After Sex, and I was like, I'm out. I'm How many going. shows really do you to have to Don't avoid? Don't go to the show where your ex-girlfriend is there. How many shows do you have to avoid in this town because there is an ex or somebody that you had weird sex with at One. a show? Oh, wait. So many. Denver is very, part. very small. Yeah. So sometimes you have to like navigate your weird sex with the music that you want to see. You said X and then you added that weird sex and then the number got larger because I know of all the weird sex. I mean, I mean, and we, you know, we've all had like serious relationships. There's a couple here and a couple there, but the weird yeah. sex, we've had way more of that than and serious and relationships. It's Denver. And it's all Denver. Right. Next, next topic. Did we have a next topic? I was no, really I think working we're done. into this I think we're one. Good. I was yeah. in, no, we're not done. We haven't gotten the light yet. Oh, where's there a light? <laughs> no, it's not coming because we still have like eighty-four minutes left to go. All of that just took thirty-six seconds. We're always rushing to finish our podcast, but now we've got so much time here because this is not our fucking format. Yeah, but we're here right. because yeah. we support. The Denver Podcast Network, and we want to be a part of it, and we want to be members, even though we don't come to your meetings. It's fine. We do pay the money, though, so what's up now? We are the only people that have paid the money, so we don't have to come to the fucking meetings. Yeah. Bye. All right. We're out of here. Love you. Thank you so much, Shell. It's not true. I've paid the money. All right. And it's not a thing. All right. Like... All right, we, we shouldn't get talking about money. That's not why we're here, okay, guys? <laughs> That's uh. No, I think it's it's why it just makes it sound like more. All right, anyway, this is a very welcoming group, okay? The Denver Podcast Network. It's not trying to exclude anybody, but yes, you do need to pay some money. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, this isn't for the poor podcast, I guess, is what I'm getting. At. Uh, anyway, I mean, they did dab their heads with money. I don't know if you guys got that one. Uh, earlier in the podcast, but uh, all right, guys, you ready to finish this uh, this podcast, this live show out? All right, thank you. All right, well, the last podcast we got is Real Nerds. All right, they've been going for over three hundred episodes for over six years. All right, let's bring them all up. The Real Nerds, guys, give it up for them. Welcome to the Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 20... 
18 and beyond. Uh, I am a host, James, and I am joined as sometimes by... Brad. And... Harvey Weinstein. And Ryan. I'm looking for a job. And Ryan. Ryan's not here. Wait, why is Ryan not here, Brad? Well, I mean, are you seeing him? Because if so, like, I know a doctor that can I just figured Ryan was coming. I thought that guy over there was him, but it's not. But, um... (laughs) Oh! He, uh, a couple hours ago, he was supposed to be here, but he, uh... He's a police officer for Idaho Springs Police Department... And he's currently investigating a homicide. So he's got more important things to do. Guys, I guess. he can yeah. live the movie seven. Oh shit. He's living Dude, the movie. He can seven. be Brad Pitt. You you can be Morgan Freeman what? if you want. Okay. I, I'm just I'm just Wait, 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 wait. Does that mean Brad gets to be Gwyneth Paltrow? No, 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 no. I'm no. into this no, plan. I'm making Brad Kevin Spacey. No, cool. no, 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 no. And I get to be no. Arlie Ermy. I want I want Brad's head in the box. Yeah. 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 All right. So what do we do uh, on this podcast, guys? Every week we go see a movie and we podcast our experience to the world. That was air quotes because I'm quoting Ryan. Um, <laughs> and everyone can see. Yeah. And we've been doing it for 300 episodes. And we're easily the longest podcast here, which is why nobody listens to it. Which means we put out, <laughs> I don't know, thousands of hours worth of audio that no one wanted. Um, which is pretty great. It's also why they put us at the end because that means we can just keep going for a while. Yeah, we can do um, our regular two-hour and a half. Show. So I'm going to read you matter. some passages from this biography of John Travolta, because <laughs> uh, this was over here on the shelf, and I thought that was cool. Yeah, we're in a, we're we're in a, a great bookstore. bookstore. Yeah. Speaking of which, by the way, if there's anyone in the coffee area that wants to come join our little soiree, feel free to. You yeah, know? you can take our seats, because we, like, we were about half the audience for listeners at home. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, anyway, so for our, usually we talk about what we've been watching and, like, what's new. DVD releases. And, like, why we hit Best Buy right now. Uh, all kinds of different things, but obviously, like, we have, like, ten minutes, so we're not gonna do all of that, and you would leave. So, uh, instead, we're gonna just review this week's movie, uh, which is Blade Runner 2049. And usually when we, when we start yeah, has anybody seen Blade Runner yet? Okay, it's like it's like half the audience. So this this side, you guys are the problem, by the way. Um, <laughs> so usually we start our, our reviews by by playing the uh, the trailer, um, but this is like a live thing, which is really cool. And we've got this projector behind us, so we're gonna just play. You guys are gonna get to watch the trailer for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So if you guys will, will roll that in the back, why aren't they, Brad? Did did we not do that? No, that's not a thing we're doing. Oh shit! All right, uh, cool. <laughs> Um, they have to imagine. Or you can, you know, bust open your phones yeah, and like, watch it on YouTube. Yeah, there's a bunch of, like, beautiful cinematography and stuff. Yeah, in like there. a hologram girl. Pretty boy doing here. Yeah. yeah. So. Give, give me some Here's some Ford shows up. Spoilers. I mean, um, it's in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, so, James, was it, this was probably your most anticipated movie of the year. Yeah. so it fell on your birthday. It, well, it was two days after. Thanks yeah. for being a good friend. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, and it was directed by Denis Villeneuve, or Dennis Villeneuve Ice, as we yeah, like Dennis to call Villanueva him. Ice. Uh, who directed my favorite film of last year, Arrival. Um, and, uh, and Blade Runner is really cool. So, yeah, I, I was really looking forward to this. So I guess we'll just jump into our review. Yeah. Uh, James, should people go see Blade Runner 2049? Yeah, well, obviously my bias is that I, I really like Blade Runner. Uh, so, yeah, people should go see Blade Runner. Um, the... Yeah, I, I think it's totally worth worth checking out. Uh, and I think I one of my friends went with me and had I showed him Blade Runner in, in like college before we were really friends, so he obviously didn't pay attention, um, so he didn't remember it at all, and still understood it. So I think if you haven't seen the first one, you don't have to see it going in. So, Brad, should people oh. see Blade Runner twenty forty nine? Um, I'm conflicted on this one. I definitely want to see it again myself. I'm gonna fight you. I, I did. I think I enjoyed it. It's definitely. What's cool is it's kind of 
it, it adds to the mythos, which is great for a sequel. That doesn't usually happen. They usually just copy what came before. But there's also, like, re, there is a, a bit of a re, uh, reboots style thing to it where there is old stuff that comes back as new. And it's a little <laughs> more polished and less gritty than the original. <laughs> like, it's, it's a beautiful, beautifully shot movie so it just looks like so modern compared to the other one it didn't and run so out of me off. it didn't run out of money like the first film did yeah <laughs> but that's what i liked about the first one is it felt very <laughs> real because it was so like you yeah. know scrapped together and stuff so cool zach should people go see blade runner 2049 electric boogaloo i don't know i liked blade runner 1039 more okay um, and then there was blade runner 53 which as we all know is when harrison ford fucked a unicorn um, what the fuck? No, um, I don't know. I um, uh, no, I He's, think he, he was I, drinking too much of the Dayquil. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Thanks for sharing with me, guys. Um, I uh, yeah, I think you should. Um, so I saw the first Blade Runner a few weeks ago for the first time in theaters. So like, I'm kind of like caught up on everything now, and I was kind of lukewarm on Blade Runner. I'm not lukewarm on this film. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, and I think it's because, as Brad said, it feels new, but also kind of like grabs the, the gems from Blade Runner, the final umpteenth cut. And, um, I, I, I think it's really great. I think Gosling's amazing in this film in, in a role that I don't know, like, it feels like it should just be a standard sci-fi role and it ends up becoming, like, it elevates above that. Uh, Ford's good. Um, Jared Leto is Jared Leto. And, um, uh, Jared Leto overhyped for the smallest role in the film. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, mean, I think you should go check it out. I mean, like, nobody else is, so, you oh, know. Oh, Pasha. That, all of this news about it not making enough money, it made it more made, money in a day than the first movie made in its, it's entire, entire run. Yeah. I, was <laughs> so, I was so surprised when I read the grosses because, like, uh, starting on Friday, every showing I wanted to go to, like, yeah. I would check the Alamo. Uh, seating chart, and there was almost sold out. So I figured yeah. this was going to be huge over the weekend. And then when I checked on Saturday and said it was like twenty million under their projections, I was like, "Is that just an Alamo only thing?" I don't know who's projecting like sixty million dollars for a two and a half over two and a half hour long, long like moody sci-fi film that's rated R based on a like cult classic from the from the eighties. Like, who? Are, why are we expecting this thing to? Well, you they know, spent one hundred and thirty-five million as fine. the budget. So these, these people are all fine. <laughs> They're gonna be okay. Like nobody's gonna make a sequel to this thing anyway. So it's not like we needed it to make a billion dollars. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Either way, you just made me think about the ending. Um, yeah, uh, I, we can't talk about the ending. No, we're not going to talk about the ending. But oh, okay. uh, as far as sequels go, I like it. They could. There's a place to go. I'm I'm surprised with the way it ended. You know that there could be like nowhere else to go. So that's yeah. really vague for everyone to hear. But uh, <laughs> I just want to get that out there. This movie has an end and could have more, but also could not. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I. So I'll put my cards on the table. I adore this film, and I actually think that it makes the first one better. Uh, I think what this movie does to sort of the the world of Blade Runner is at a lot of depth that the first film couldn't. Um, I will... Oh, man, I can't even say that. Shit. This movie is impossible to talk about without spoiling. (laughs) There are some things... You're all going to hate me. There are some things that this film does and some scenes where characters say stuff, and you're like, that's a really interesting way to describe that to make me, uh, uh, you know, feel for these people in a way that I didn't in the first film. (laughs) And that's not useful at all. 
but when we really review this on this week's show, you can like listen to the spoiler section and be like, he's right. That was a very apt description that he had there. But until uh, now, vague is in vogue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I do. I think this movie actually makes the first one better. I, the, when you find out, God, when you find out what this movie's about and what the actual like conflict is, I think it makes the story of replicants a lot more compelling and makes me want to go back and watch the first one again. Um, That's the thing I appreciated most was that they expanded on like the, the world of Blade Runner instead of yeah. just copying the same story. Like I think we can say right off the bat, because it's in the first five minutes, they tell you that... <gasps> is is okay? Am I wrong? No. I, I Wait. They tell you what? Ryan Gosling... I don't think so. That's not in the trailer. No, it's in the first five minutes of the movie. Like, as soon as oh, okay. you go watch the movie, it's okay, in the first scene. Okay, all right. Scene. I, I would have... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. So, uh, Ryan Gosling is a replicant, and that's yeah. not, like, a secret they're hiding. No. It's part of the new story. There's only, like, one human in the whole movie. <laughs> I mean, genuinely. Like, and even what, then, I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah. Part of what makes this really interesting is, like, <laughs> they've populated the entire film with just already replicants, so then they had to come up with a even less human version of a character in order for us to explore the idea of, like, what it means to be human. But I enjoyed how bold it was, because, uh, you know, for years, the original Blade Runner, everyone has that side theory of, like, Deckard's a replicant, right? Right. And this movie kind of s- starts out just saying, like, okay, well, what if that movie, like, if he had been a replicant, how would that have transpired? And so it's... Mm-hmm. Almost like they started the movie showing you, like, you know, that whole yeah um, question, like, b- just building off of that thing instead of, you know, making the movie about Deckard again. Yeah. Um, and then, like, confusing that whole mythology. They just built a new one, which I appreciated. Dennis Vanilla Ice has a very unique uh, uh, vision. Um, he loves to shoot through windows. Um, that's a great thing. <laughs> yes, he does. If you see the pre-show for uh, Blade Runner at the Alamo, it's fun. It's like a whole reel of it. Um the scope of this film is amazing. Um, and like the, the mix of CG and practical, like obviously it lies more in the CG realm, but we get enough practical to where I'm comfortable in that world. Mm. Cause like one of the things I love about the first Blade Runner is obviously it's visual aesthetic. Um, it's ability to transport me into that world, which is built primarily on practical sets and miniatures. Are they telling oh, us to run away? Are we done? No. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Ignore him. We're the last one. Where we're going, we don't need timers. Um, oh, it's not gonna laugh. Um, I, I know, I feel so special. Um, no, the, um, this, so for them to expand on that using the technology that we have today was amazing. I'd love to actually watch this in 3D if it's available in 3D. Which I'm not sure. Cause That'd I be a great way to ruin this film. A, I yeah. think it's just an IMAX. That's, that's the only other thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I'll watch it on IMAX and make myself believe I'm in that world. Um, yeah. so, but he also, like, again, like, I forgot Blade, I forgot in the four weeks since I saw the first Blade Runner that Blade Runner is, well, first of all, it's, it's, it's sci-fi noir. Yeah. So, like, I forgot, oh, it's dark and depressing and people like to punch their feelings out. And, um, the, uh, one of the scenes in the trailer, um, when you find out what it actually is in the movie, that's the point in the movie where I was like, oh yeah, I forgot it's Blade Runner and it's dark and the world sucks. Yeah. Um, but I, but I mean, it's amazing to watch. Um, it's actually pretty good. Like when Harrison Forge finally shows up, the whole movie shifts. Like you spent, wow. I don't yeah, want to say how long, but you spent a while just kind of being sad and just quietly watching this guy sadly fly around in a, just desolate, horrible, gray place. And then Harrison Ford shows up and you're like, ha, you're, you're great. Everything is laughs. It's wonderful. I will say I'm amazed that this story was able to, like, 
expand off of mm-hmm. the first Blade Runner because the first Blade Runner to me feels like a tone poem more or less. Oh yeah, it doesn't have a story. Um, and it's more about your feelings and emotions. And then this yeah. one, it it expands that while still retaining that strength because of the first big portion of the film is just Gosling and uh, Princess Buttercup mm-hmm. and. You know, I, I, I appreciated that they were able to maintain that tone from the first one while at the same time, like, giving us something new that I can chew on. Well, I think you had to because, like, this movie needed to have a really good story. It had because to, give, it needed I, to have unfortunately, a reason to like, <laughs> So some weeks ago I, I showed my fiancé the first – the original Blade Runner <laughs> and I – I had to sort of, and I do this every time I show somebody Blade Runner for the first time. I had to sort of remind them, like, okay, so it's the '80s, and this genre didn't exist, and no one had ever seen anything like this. Like, you have to pretend like the visuals and this whole, you know, thematic thing is cool and new, because otherwise the movie is just like a bunch of cool set pieces and then weird Daryl Hannah. Uh, whereas this one like has a really cool story and some good action pieces and like good acting and dialogue in Rutger it. Howard. Uh, and then at the same time, it also just has like, why don't we just watch his spaceship fly for a while? <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> so you get that too. Um, but yeah. no, I, I adore it. I think everybody should go it's see wonderful. it. And I don't think like, it didn't feel like two beyond two and a half hours for me, even though that is no. the runtime. It, I, it, it felt more like maybe a two hour movie to me, but yeah. I was that engrossed in what I was seeing. Um, there's some visual elements of this film that are just incredible. Like you've got to see it in the theater. Oh, it felt like six hours, but I wanted to go again. So <laughs> cool. Uh, All right. So we were done a long time ago. Oh, whatever, thanks, guys. Uh, yeah. Thanks everybody for coming. Um, um, you can I'm find sure us at realnerdspodcast.com. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on Twitter, Instagram. We'll be around. So thanks, somebody guys. take a mic away. <laughs> Real nerds, everybody. Thank you guys so much. All right, give it up for everybody on the Denver Podcast Network, all the podcasts you've seen tonight. Give it up for Mutant Information Cafe for letting us do awesome things. Check them out. Support them. They're the best. Of course. I would like to apologize to the good people of, uh, what was it, Pesto Bowl, Wisconsin? (laughs) Pesto Bowl. Pasta dish. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, you can find all these podcasts at denverpodcast.net. However you get your podcasts, we're there. Okay, guys? Keep coming out. Keep supporting live uh, events here at Mutiny and podcasting in general. Thank you so much. Let's eat some more pizza. Is that famous pizza here? No, it's gone. Damn it. <laughs>